Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, second-year child and psychiatry fellow, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi, Dr. Parks. And joining us today, a special guest, Dr. Alan Atkins. Dr. Alan Atkins is a second-year psychiatry resident. He worked with children in the foster system before attending medical school at Brown University, and he currently leads a research team investigating wilderness therapy as an alternative alternative to mass incarceration. Hi, Alan. Hey, Dr. Parks. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent the University of California, UC Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR's School of Medicine. Well, welcome, and today's show is going to be on anti-vaxxers. Now, why is this important? We've touched on this a little bit before in previous episodes, but why is this important is because what are we, what, how is the um, vaccine for COVID-19 going to roll out and what is going to be the impact? How many people are going to get the vaccine? Is there an anti-vax attitude out there where there'll be too many people that will refuse to get the vaccine and therefore we will not have herd immunity and we'll just be stuck with this for years, or it may be perhaps cyclical. Um, you know, I think that's an important question uh, because you know, there's. I know a lot of anti-vaxxers. Do you all know any anti-vaxxers that don't yes. get their kids yes. immunized? What is the reason that you? I think that I told, told you guys actually that I know a psychiatrist who's an anti-vaxxer. Oh Lord! Ooh. I told is it you the that, autism right? thing. What, what What is the reason? Is it the autism thing? Autism, yeah. Okay. She swears so, that her nephew became autistic after he got vaccinated. Ooh, that uh, that correlation does not equal causation thing. I guess never she never got taught that. Well, we're, I'm gonna. I'll, I have a little bit to say about that. I don't know if you about how that autism link came about and the research that um, kind of uh, crushed it. But I, you know, why is this? Now, I have to say that I do know some anti-vaxxers, classical anti-vaxxers that. That that are are talking about the uh, the the link to autism. There is none, by the way. Um, but also, there's a new and numerous studies. Uh, there is a newer. Um, yes, right. And numerous studies have shown numerous. that. But there are there are more. There are different folks now that are saying that they will not have the vaccination. It has nothing to do with uh, th- that. It has particular okay. to the vaccination in the future of, for COVID nineteen, okay. and that is because of, of Operation Warp Speed. That's a program by the Trump administration that um, is funding private pharmaceutical companies and government agencies and, and even the military's involvement in where they're going to shorten the time that it takes to um, test and approve and produce a vaccine. Now, Who named uh, this operation? It sounds like <laughs> such a joke. Yeah, everything that Yeah, Brought to you by the same people who brought us Space Force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Warp Speed doesn't it doesn't have a lot to do, right, with chemicals and making uh, and, and drug trials, right, right. Um, but you know, I talk to a lot of liberal folks. I'm liberal. I'm just be open about. It. I'm liberal, and so I talk to a lot of liberal folks. And so they are not going to get this because they don't trust Operation Warp Speed. They don't trust the Trump administration. They think he's going to do anything and everything to get people to go back out, even if that means giving them a garbage vaccine. Wait, you're saying the liberal people that you have talked to are not going for this vaccine? Or yeah, not everyone. Speed not in general. But I've, yeah, but in the few that I've said, that I've talked to, I'm amazed at how many people are saying, I don't know if I'm going to get it. 
because it's going to be produced by this Operation Warp Speed where they're going to forego a lot of the testing mm-hmm. um, because, and they're just going to start producing it. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to hope at the end when they do start complete this testing that it's so because you know, really they're actually going to do the testing, but they're going to ma- manufacture it as they do that final stage of testing hmm. for, for safety and effectiveness. Now, it's possible that by the time it's produced, the the the, vi- the coronavirus has mutated. So now it's, it's right. just, you know, junk. And they spend millions or billions of dollars producing junk. AstraZeneca is producing one. Might come out in October. There's a couple others that are going to be produced. Um, you know, so... Who knows? But I. But you know what? There might be a, a significant portion of folks that are just not going to do it for one reason or the other. Now, and now there are some studies. I'm just going to say before before um, you um, can add, you all can add things. That um, now these these surveys came out in May. Um, one from uh, ABC, Washington Post, ABC. Seventy percent said that they will get the Corona um, virus vaccine. Um, a CNN poll also in May, a little bit less, two thirds said they would get it um, if it's available and it's low cost. Um, but here's the problem. They asked Anthony Fauci, so how effective is this coronavirus vaccine? And he said, you know, it's probably unlikely it's going to be at a high rate of, mm-hmm. you know, 95, 96%, similar to things like the measles vaccine. It might be, you know, he's hoping for 70 to 75%. Well, they asked him, okay, so if the vaccine is going to be 70 to 75% effective, can you achieve herd immunity if only 70% or two-thirds of Americans get it. And he said, no, it's unlikely. It's unlikely that we'll achieve herd immunity. Right. So we're, gonna, we're kind of stuck. You know, yes, yes, the, the risk goes down. Like it might, it might be, uh, uh, you know, less dangerous. But is that enough for people to get out there and work? That, now, I got to say, personally, when I looked at the data coming out of New York, the, the mortality rate for people with no known conditions or unknown pre-existing conditions, the mortality rate was 3.7%. Now that to me is too high for my age group, for my age group. I'm 53 years old. That was too high for me. I'm not going back to work with that. I guess another question would be like, when is this vaccine coming out? And then at that point, like how many people will have already had COVID by that time? Well, and that, that question is, I think has to be, tempered with the idea that at the six month point a very s- small percentage of people who've had covid still have antibodies mm-hmm. which is not sure and like and in some studies they found that the antibodies were gone after two months right right so i mean it, yes it, it it does in some folks even in some folks there's antibodies and some folks not now, let me return to um, where a lot of this came from. Now, the anti-vax like, movement for strains have been around since, you know, turn of the century London, there was the, the, the um, anti-vaccination league, you know, where, where a lot of folks were thinking this was, you know, government interference and things like that. But it really took off in 1998 when there was a study published in The Lancet um, by a British doctor, Andrew Wakefield who suggested that there was this link uh, between autism. You mean this is the specific one? Yeah, this was the study that really did it. Whenever you ask, you know, actually when you look at the studies, there's lots of different reasons. um, Because the thing is like what I was going to say was, you know, 
in turn of the century, <laughs> I would probably have been an anti-vaxxer. If I weren't scientific, I would be like, no way am I going to stick myself with like live virus. Are you kidding? Or any part of a virus? Like, no, that sounds crazy. Back then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, you, uh, I, I was it's amazed so... actually how long ago we've known this and have been doing it and, and governments have been making people do it. Right. I you think... know, like you're, you're doing it because you're saving lives here by doing it. It's been going on for a long time. A long time. Right. Yeah. It's a really incredible thing that someone invented this idea. And... and a lot of the people that invented it did amazing things with their own families. They... I can't remember which vaccine it was. Well, the, oh, the salt. Po- Wait, did I tell you that? Or did we hear know. the same thing? There, I, I, it's, I've seen a few of these. So there was one, I think, for maybe the smallpox one. They used, like, cowpox. And then they, the guy, like, gave it to his children. He, his like, children. inoculated he inoculated his children. His, he inoculated himself. Oh, wow. Which is wow. one of the reasons why doctors are, like, so pumped on him. But then, yeah, yeah I found out recently he inoculated his own children. But he's actually not wow. the only guy who did that. So I, I forgot whether it was Salk or Sabin. But one of, the, one of those two people... Um, you know, there's the two types of polio vaccine, the Salk and Sabin, and one of them basically came home from the lab as polio vaccine was getting started in the U.S. and just uh, inoculated his whole family. Um, yeah. And that story now, I think he was recently interviewed um, for, or his family was interviewed for, you know, people kind of cu- curious about what the possible consequences of warp speed might be. And he was saying, like, well, actually, you know, there's a lot of consequences to early deployment of vaccines, including, you know, all of these autoimmune things like Guillain-Barre and whatever. Um, And it's an autoimmune disease, Guillain-Barre. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, now, Andrew Wakefield, it took a reporter actually to dig into this. They found out that he had uh, financial ties to law firms that were suing Companies, really? yeah, they were providing vaccinations. Yep, he didn't disclose that. Um, he, you know, he has an extremely small sample size. Um, and then basically what they did is they found that, that they had to, the Lancet had to track the study. They said it was mm-hmm. utterly false. Right. And that um, they made it so that he could not be a doctor in um, UK anymore. Oh, but he's wow. still going around. He's, he's, okay. no, he's, he's unrepentant. He's still going around saying nice. that there's censorship and yeah he's probably made a lot of money oh yeah Yeah, right yeah perhaps so there was a film and then it was like, like you, you know paid to speak the, at different places yeah yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's got a whole it's like sure. he's, he's got a whole cult following now that's a wow yeah, and, and by in, in the year 2000 in like dublin 60 the, the level of vaccination is only 60 percent so they had 40 percent of folks not getting vaccinated mm, wow. that's how in, intense and that and huge an effect this had his actions have caused, you know, thousands of lives. And so, but, you know, but to admit that, it almost makes sense psychologically that you don't want to admit it because that would be huge Oof. guilt. The psychological cost of admitting yeah. that would be. Yeah, and you might as well just go with it with your the censorship, it's government censorship and impending on our freedom. It would be like if you woke up and you were Hitler, yeah. like, and you were like three quarters of the way into the war. Right. Like, all right, now what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you can see the 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 the, the motivation to just keep with the lie. Now they yeah, looked at it's um, pretty much either that or yeah. commit suicide, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, now they've looked at some of you know personality profiles and and studies in this, 
And one study, there was, um, this was in Natural Human Behavior in 2017, parents, they found that um, basically the people that didn't want to give the vaccine, they had high levels of uh, moral, they, they uh, morals of purity and liberty. All right. Now, they also did a study just in, among countries and they asked, um, you know, they, they, they studied these attitudes and they, they basically called them, um, you know, foundational attitudes where other actions branch off from these attitudes. So they looked at attitudes of conspiratorial thinking, um, disgust of needles and poking and blood and things like that. They also um, 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 looked at something called reactants, which is feeling good about um, being a, a nonconformist. And things like that. And um, they also looked at... Um, As a psychological measure, reactance? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You talk about that ther- in therapy all the time. You know, um, uh, how much reactance the person is to, you know, to therapy and, and, and just your suggestions of therapy. And they also yeah. looked at individualism and hierarchical worldviews. Like like some, some hierarchies are just the way it is and that's how it should be. You know, that kind of thing. And, and fierce individualism and things like that. But guess which ones were the most impactful in anti-vax attitudes of those four I've mentioned? So conspiratorial thinking, reactance, individualism, and disgust. Conspiratorial thinking. Yeah, it was two. Yes, conspiratorial thinking was one. Disgust was the other one. The other ones didn't have a, a association. Interesting, disgust right? Disgust in what? Disgust in poking and, and needles and blood and all this. And guess which country? It's interesting to see which country was highest on this. It was Japan. That was the highest in that. Oh. And interesting. what was the highest conspiratorial Japan thinking? the scariest horror movies. <laughs> or like the yeah. bloodiest. Conspiratorial <laughs> thinking. Which country do you think was the highest? You'll never guess. It was Mexico. Really? Yeah. And so, uh, and who are the highest in anti-vax attitudes country-wise? Again, you'll never guess, but just take a wild guess. America. There were three. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. I, I was, I think it was like there. Zimbabwe. Uh, you it, know, was, was, it was the Philippines at number one, but closely followed by China and India. I wonder so how many nations in Western Africa and Southern Africa were included in this study. Because, I mean, there's all these nations where there's like, you know, like Robert Mugabe's going around saying all this stuff about there's all kinds of different leaders in, in that region who, who have said like, oh yeah, you know, you can cure HIV by sleeping with virgins, things oh, like wow. that, you know I mean? And there's places where people have been killed for, uh, by Boko Haram for, for trying to vaccinate. I'm not sure if it's by Boko Haram, but I believe so. For, you know, if it, there's like threats by different various groups where if you get vaccinated for Ebola, we're gonna kill you or we're gonna oh, chop wow. up your arm. You know, okay. so there's... I yeah. Know that. Yeah, it really does depend on um, the the social context is huge. Now, it also depends on your political affiliation or your ideology. Where I think a lot of currently what we're dealing with is coming from. Now, um, if you're just joining us on, uh, you're listening to Let's Get Psyched on KUCR, and we're talking about anti-vaxxers, the psychology of anti-vax vaxxers and, and their attitudes and where it might come from. So um, they did a study on some of this stuff. You know, jump in, jump in and stop me and say things that you think are interesting at any point. But you there's said you're a lot prepared for this one. So. I, guess, I, I guess so. I guess I kind of went into it. But there's a, a psychological um, phenomenon. 
called the Dunning-Kruger effect. So the Dunning-Kruger effect is um, people that were not good at estimating their own skill level were actually also really terrible at estimating other people's skill level. All okay. right. So this this is so the anti-vax attitudes are a little bit of a, a twist on that. That the people that knew the least about side effects of vaccinations, they knew the least about autism, causes of autism, and things like that, were the most sure that they knew more than medical experts. Mm-hmm. And they knew the least. Yeah. They knew the least. So and they, like were they were the, the experts, of course, and the yeah. actual experts didn't know what they were talking about. That's right, what you're saying. Right. Yeah. They <laughs> so I am constantly amazed now. I, I, I'm thinking you probably are, of how many people think that they know more than medical experts and scientists about oh, this yeah, virus. Oh, yeah, sure. That's a big source of frustration, I think, for Lord. many of us. And it's applies yeah, to mean, so many things right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. I mean, the, in, in this county, Riverside County, when they got rid uh, of the mask requirement, I, I, I'll never forget the reading the news report. The, um, count, the county board of supervisors decided to take the medical advice of local business leaders. And it's deciding. To I didn't know that. Rid, yeah, get rid of the mask requirement. And now, interestingly enough, and they should have really thought about this. The only people that the people that came to the the meeting were all the people that thought it was a hoax and didn't believe it. So they were the most vocal, of course. Oh, no. So they were very responsive to them. The people that didn't want them to get rid of the mask requirement called in. Yeah, yeah they, they stayed didn't. home. Mm. Yeah, they stayed in. <laughs> Obvious now about why they felt they gave into that pressure and shouldn't have. Oh. Wow, that's, yeah. <laughs> but any, anyway, okay, so, um, you know, we can kind of uh, talk about, like, what what do you do when you have these folks? Because there's something called yeah. motivated reasoning in, in social psychology where um, if, if, if a fact doesn't fit with your worldview, you're going to engage in this motivated reasoning to find some way that it does. So that's why just in amazement, you hear these folks saying, well, there's not that many people dying from COVID-19. This is just, because again, it doesn't fit in with their worldview because, mm-hmm. you know, Trump and others are saying that, you know, it's nothing, it'll go away by like magic. And so the, they'll think, oh, this it must be a conspiracy by hospitals to report every single death as COVID-19. That's why they're, they're reporting, but actually that there's not that many deaths. In fact, I know that there's some people that think the whole thing is a hoax. Unfortunately, there is, I mean, while, you know, while COVID-19 is anything but a hoax, there is incentives, there is incentivization in some, in much of, I think, the American system for over-reporting of COVID, uh, for over-reporting of the attribution of patient deaths to COVID for, for CMS funding reasons. At least that's mm-hmm. what I've been hearing from surgeons. Um, and so there, so, it, okay, but okay. So but that's more it, of like an extremely twisted and distorted right. piece of information than it is a complete fabrication. As far as the, some, I found some interesting stuff about. Or sorry, am I? Am I? No, no, no. Let's go there. Yeah. Okay, so um, this is the, I, a lot of the more interesting information I actually found was from Canada. So we'll take that with a grain of salt that it doesn't apply to our country perfectly, but I would say it applies pretty well. So. In Canada, they said that um, out of all the people that we think of as anti-vaxxers, um, one to three percent of patients are anti-vax, 
and 30% are vaccine hesitant. And I think in terms of the things that you mentioned, um, the disgust, I think, is probably higher in the, in the vaccine hesitant, whereas the conspiracy is higher in the anti-vax. Um, and there were some interesting things that they mentioned about kind of how to talk to people about vaccines. One of the things that I had heard in the past, I had heard this in one of my medical school doctoring courses, was that there was apparently a study that it said that if you, if a doctor talks to va- to an anti-vax patient about vaccinating, they're actually less likely to vaccinate in the future. And I, I tried to find that study and I couldn't find it. So I don't know whether I, I'm just creating a distorted no, memory. I have a study that I think might fit with this. Okay, this is from um, Communication Research by Hart and Nisbet in 2012. And this is called boomerang effects in science communication how motivated reasoning and identity cues amplify opinion and polarization about climate mitigation policy so they they looked at climate change okay and so they identified people that were democrat republican and independents and they found that when they presented you when you present just facts absolute facts a lot of times that has the opposite effect people believe it less Mm. so how is what is going on so they looked at when they they created a story from actual facts about um, the impact of climate change on farmers, and but they changed the country they were from, like France or New York or in you know, Georgia. And so basically, what they found is that when they were less, when they were when there was high social di- differentiation, like when you couldn't really relate to them, when there was distance between the, uh, the person being affected and you yourself. When you were a Republican, that made you less likely to support a, a climate change policies. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on, I think. I believe this is what's going on. So when we, they talk about um, folks getting affected, unless it happens to them and their family, I know it's sad to say for you know, conservative Republican folks, it's very challenging for them to, to endorse and believe some of these facts that are being reported. You know, unless because they hear who's who's dying, these African-American folks, people of color, Latino folks, you know, poor, poor folks have to go work. And, you know, other folks can you know, stay at home and not work or just not work, you know. And so they, there's a high distance. There's a lot of social distance between these, the people that are being victimized by this. And when they hear the message, actual facts, they become less likely to endorse it. So then what are we supposed to do? If talk if doctors talking about it makes them less likely to do it, then what? Well, so so I didn't find that particular article. It sounds like that article by Nisbon and Hart that you mentioned sounds fascinating. I think that's that says more maybe about some I don't know. That I feel like that speaks to human nature in some sad ways. But there are ways to talk to um people about vaccination. It's obviously they'll work better on vaccine hesitant folks than on anti-vaxxer folks. Um, but so what are your strategies? So one. OK, so uh, motivational interviewing where we customize, where we ask questions, we understand where they're coming from. We get a sense of their motivation um, to get a vaccine. And if not, how confident they are that they would be able to change their motivation. And we potentially just push them one nudge closer um, okay, listeners, motivational interviewing was developed to assist people with addiction problems enter treatment. So it's a, a set of, of, of approaches 
and it's called motivational interviewing. Okay, so you use that yeah. method or that approach. Yeah, and folks. and it's okay. it's interesting because um, as Dr. Parks just mentioned, you know, this was developed for addiction, which is a problem that, um, similarly to anti-vax, the doctor sees as a problem, but the person with what the doctor sees as a problem doesn't see it as a problem. And so motivational interviewing is a little bit of a beneficially sneaky methodology. And so I think that's part of why it works here. That um, also takes some time. Like you're just kind of like chipping away. Yeah, it takes right? time. It takes multiple yeah. sessions. Like and billing-wise, insurance-wise, there's no way that that's going to be the primary way to get boots on the ground. That's true. Change. Although it can be done quickly. It can be done. There, There's there's abridged versions of it. Um there was a study that showed that using this statement, 90% of medical scientists agree that vaccines are safe and that all patient, all parents should be required to vaccinate their children. Saying that statement apparently helps, which I found interesting because I, I, I couldn't help fixate on the 90%. Like, why didn't they make it 98%, right? Um, and I don't know if that's an actual study or if they just made up a number for the study to, to see what helps and what doesn't. Um, but you know, I think the hard sell, something I've found in my own medical education is that the hard sell is creepy. The hard sell, yeah. um, you know, I'm someone who shares a suspicion of pharmaceutical interests. And while I'm very pro vaccination, I can relate there. Uh, there were uh, like one or two people in my medical school who, who expressed some, uh, uncertainty about vaccinations and I watched them from afar and how kind of quickly they got you know lambasted and, and uh, I think the hard sell is creepy and I think that the hatred towards the anti-vax community is not helpful because now we're creating an identity for these people right they have to fl they have to flock together because they're being told that they're endangering everyone in the population they're evil they hate their kids you know all these things um, and it, they're very easy to hate. And so they're flocking together and they're, they're identifying themselves. You know, this is like a source of strength for them now. It's like, look at me. I've, I am so, like you said, like, I mean, I, I myself enjoy often having the identity of like, oh, a free thinker or whatever. So these people are saying, look at me. I am enduring all of this criticism. Let me find the other people who also endure this criticism and form an in-group with them. And that in-groups are extremely resistant to intervention. Yeah, okay. And so God, let me add something on that. I did find studies that one of the biggest reasons why this spread and enhanced is finding these each other, everyone finding each other online right. in, in the terms of social media and blog sites and things like that, which kind of ties in to the recent stuff about what are Facebook and Twitter uh, and Instagram going to allow. Now, there was a study... And this was in the American Journal of Public Health in 2018, um, just about um, you know DARPA, U.S. Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, where they did they had a bot challenge. They asked researchers, you know, of, of, uh, you know, research and find what these influence bots on Twitter are doing, and and in particular in vaccine-related tweets and information. And um, one of the things they found was that there were a lot of Ru Russian troll accounts that were connected to the Internet Research Agency, which is you know, backed by the Russian government. And it's part of the, the Russian government's influence kind of prod projects. And um, they found that one of the things that they do is they try to target 
how to divide people on some of these issues, these wedge issues and vaccinations, anti-vaxxers was one of them. Um, and, you know, they found that uh, 93% of tweets about vaccines were generated by accounts whose provenance can be verified as neither bots nor human users, and yet who exhibit malicious behaviors. So there's 93% anti-vax tweets that are causing all these problems. Wow, that, that uh, might be a powerful thing to tell patients. It's it, very disturbing. I, you know, honestly, I, before, before I read this, I didn't realize that Russia was so diabolical. I guess I shouldn't have. I should have just assumed it, but they're well, very I don't diabolical. Know about Russia as a whole, but certainly Putin. Putin, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Russian people are great. Sorry, Russian people, if you're listening to this. <laughs> English speaking Russian folks, um, uh, but yeah, Putin and and what they're trying to do, they're they're very very sophisticated on this, and that's why they're kind of. Um, you know, they're, they're a big part of this anti-vax movement. And so it is important, I think, that, you know, Facebook, you know, because, you know, Zuckerberg is now taking action because of, uh, you know, he's, he's lost about, you know, $8 billion, eight, $10 billion recently from advertisers pulling out because of this. But that's why it's important. And that will do it. I have last words. <laughs> Sorry, if you wanted to say something, sorry about that. So I have last words. So this, you have been listening to Let's Get Psyched on uh, KUCR. And today's show, we talked about anti-vaxxers, psychology of anti-vax attitudes. Um, thank you to our co-host, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi, and special co-host, Dr. Alan Atkins. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, you can write us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. That's getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. You can also listen to past episodes of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. This episode was recorded in each of our homes, then mixed by our producer at KUCR, Elliot Fong. So thank you to him. I've been your host, psychologist, Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched.